You're listening to Strictly Business Podcast with Lindsay Williams. The Finance Minister of the Republic of South Africa, Tito Mbwini, has in the last couple of hours delivered his midterm budget policy statement, his mini budget, his interim budget, whatever you were to call it. And it's an important event. With me is Annabel Bishop, the Chief Economist at Investec in Johannesburg. I haven't looked at it, Annabel, because I wanted you to surprise me. What has he said? Look, certainly, I think, you know, the key point, Lindsay, is straight away we've seen the RAND weaken quite substantially and on bond yields as well. And that's, of course, because we found ourselves in a situation now where we are seeing a um, deterioration in the government debt trajectory. So I think, you know, that that's quite a key point. And, you know, this obviously means that instead of the previous expectation that the or projection, if you will, from government that its gross debt as a percentual GDP would peak at 87.4%. They now have a peak at 95.3% and also in a later period as well, 2025-26, whereas before the peaking was expected in 2023-24. So quite substantial fiscal, fiscal slippage there. And of course, the consolidated deficit now expected at 15.7% of GDP this year, bearing in mind that last year was at 6.4%. So we've gone from 6.4 to 15.7. We've gone to 86 to, I can't remember the numbers because my head is swimming now. It's gone from 86% to 95.5%, something like that. Are these historic highs, Annabelle? Oh, yes. Um, you know, certainly it's, it's, it's highs for the last couple of decades and, of course, indicates to us quite strongly we like to see credit rating downgrades from the agencies. You know, we are expecting to see... Um, on the 20th of June, that Fitch and Moody's drops us by one notch, obviously, from double B plus for um, Moody's and double B from Fitch down to obviously one notch lower than that because they're both on negative outlooks for South Africa. S&P could also drop us as well. And, of course, you know, the key point here really is that we have seen a lot of um, cutbacks uh, from expenditure. So from that perspective, there's $300 billion expected to be cut back over the next three years, including both a proposed three-year wage freeze and, of course, you know, in a, st- in a staggered approach over the next three years. But of course, there's likely to be some union opposition to this. So, so those types of factors that we're looking to, you know, consolidate, perhaps at a later period, but still consolidate, and we are looking to cut expenditure, they are positives, but they're probably not going to be enough to stop a credit rating downgrade, although perhaps they're enough to stop a credit rating downgrade of two notches, which of course, you know, is a real risk for South Africa, but hadn't actually brought through these expenditure cuts that I mentioned, and of course, as well, didn't have some stabilization in its debt. And of course, lastly, you know, looking quite um, conservatively at tax increases, they're only looking at about $5 billion next year. And that's likely, as you know, to probably be able to be raised through just not failing to adjust for bracket creep. So not a full austerity budget, but certainly quite a bit of austerity creeping in. And $5 billion, of course, is only half of the 10 and a bit billion that is, in fact, less than half of the 10 and a bit billion that has been allocated yet again, Annabelle Bishop, to South African Airways when we don't need it. Yeah, it's, it's it's a bit of a thorn in the side, really, you know, because you feel like you're getting, to, you know, tech, or you're paying tax, really, for something which is really unnecessary. I mean, why do we need it in South Africa? We've got international airlines who can perform the function. And really, I think there needs to be a reprioritization towards state entities which are critical for economic growth and job creation in South Africa. And those, of course, would be the provision of electricity or water, or sanitation, you know, services that an economy can't live without. But, you know, continuing to pump money into SAA is, is really just proving to be, you know, all so far a bottomless pit.
Yes, I think £10.5 billion could have been spent on an infrastructure project. It could have been spent on hospitals or schools or whatever it is and created jobs at the same time. I know it's a simplistic, puerile argument, but um, often <laughs> simplicity is the key uh, because it, it, it's, it's not difficult. And, and I think you and I have spoken over the years about how easy it would be to fix certain elements of the, uh, of the malaise that um, <coughs> surrounds the South African economy. And this is one of them. £10 billion? Yes, I'll take the £10 billion. I'm going to put it there. I'm going to build a couple of roads. I'm going to put some infrastructure into uh, rural areas, that sort of thing. Am I missing something, Annabelle? You know, I suppose it's, it's, it might be a sop to the unions. You know, obviously there's going to be a lot of union unhappiness with the fact that they can't get through the um, substantial salary increases that they were anticipating <laughs> through the wage agreements, you know, for, for these three years. And, of course, you know, they're likely to take government to court. Government's likely to declare a force majeure. And, of course, the courts hopefully and should find in favour of government and not allow these extreme, um, you know, salary increases coming through. After the COVID-19 crisis, so most people obviously are getting cuts instead of increases. So, you know, this this is something which I think is quite key. I suppose the money for SAA, they're trying to obviously limp it along. They obviously need to pay the creditors, but they also need to obviously as well they would um, certainly indicate to preserve jobs. So, so there's that sort of focus, you know, quite substantially. But the, the reality of the situation is that it eats up the tax increases and it makes the fiscal outlook increasingly highly uncertain if we continue to put money in areas that don't deliver on economic growth because economic growth is needed to raise revenue. And in turn, revenue then assists in meeting expenditure and obviously helping eventually to reduce debt. You know, you're looking at a reduction in debt projections from that 95.3% and then down lower than that in the 2025-26 year. You know, that's not going to happen if government doesn't see the economic growth that it's banking on. Okay, we've got, uh, what is it now? It's, uh, let's call it November, because it is almost November. So we've got November, December, January, February. Uh, so we've got four months, less than four months until the real budget. Anything is, gonna, is anything going to change? In other words, the roadmap that has been put out, or the sort of sketch that's been put out this afternoon in the mini-budget, the interim budget, uh, will it change uh, in any way in the next four months, do you think? Or will he, will he stick to his guns that he, again, laid out today? I think they'll stick to their guns from expenditure cuts, but sadly we may see further fiscal slippage on the ratios. There always tends to be some expenditure items that creep in and are absolutely necessary and, of course, you know, further weaken government finances. So that's just a real worry. We don't know, Lindsay, of course, you know, what's going to happen with the coronavirus globally. There have been some second waves. We're not expecting South Africa to go into another hard lockdown or even see a material second wave. But of course, you know, there are those risks for the economy as well. But really, I suppose, you know, one of the key points we haven't talked about is the debt accumulation has yes. been rising globally, not just for South Africa. There's concerns of an emerging market debt crisis and a low income debt crisis, you know, circulating markets. And of course, you know, we've seen huge foreign disinvestment for South Africa's bond market this year. It has been the same for a number of other emerging market economies as well. So, you know, there, there are these circling concerns. And of course, you know, South Africa seeing this massive fiscal deterioration is, is not alone in, in its situation. And of course, the credit rating agencies themselves discount this. They, they, they don't worry about it. They just continue to downgrade. And, you know, there obviously are substantially more downgrades happening this year than have ever happened before. So it doesn't take away the fact that South Africa is likely to see further downgrades and of course, likely to see higher borrowing costs you know, which then makes it even more difficult to consolidate your finances because that's eating up part of your expenditure budget. Speaking of debt, though, Annabelle, it's a good time to be in debt because it's servicing that debt. It, obviously, South Africa is a case on, on its own, but uh, globally, it's a good time to to have debt because it's so cheap to 
to finance and to service, if you see what I mean. And even South Africa is benefiting from that, even though it has a slightly downgraded, downgrade situation, if you like. Well, I'd certainly say it's cheap to finance debt globally because of low interest rates, but not so in South Africa, Lindsay. You know, the reality of the situation is our 10-year bond uh, uh, yield is closer to 9.50, whereas in the 2000s we were close to 6%. So that really shows you the massive deterioration. Furthermore, we've got a very wide yield between our repo rate. You know, the jar bar is around about 350 or 3.5%. And, of course, you know, if you look at the bond yields closer to 9.5%, you know, you've got, um, you know, a 6% differential or spread there. And that really talks to the fact that investors, domestic and foreign investors, are increasingly worrying about South Africa's rising credit risk. That is its potential for credit uh, for, for default on its debt. And, of course, that happens when your debt quantum escalates um, substantially as South Africa's has the actual level we're at at the moment and of course you know that's likely 81% of GDP this year issuing about 80 billion a month and then of course projected to rise even further so that doesn't give the investors confidence and I don't think this is a really good time for South Africa to be borrowing even more because you know we, we are at such incredibly elevated um, you know, borrowing costs with such with so little in the kitty because of these this huge revenue collapse this year because our lockdown was so extremely harsh, You're losing 312 billion rand in revenue that we were forecasting. Certainly, um, we were forecasting a large figure in February, and now it's going to be 312 billion lower. So it's a very difficult time for South Africa. Yes, indeed. And just a quick note: um, South Africa's consumer price index came out at uh, 3% today and that tells you two things, a weaker oil price or a stable to weaker oil price, a stronger rand and also low demand in the economy. Just a quick, quick comment on that one please Annabelle. Yeah well that's certainly it Lindsay and of course incredibly weak demand in the economy. Governments well the budget today shows that they're expecting a contraction of close to 8%, we're expecting one of close to 9% this year the consensus is in the middle there and you know the reality of the situation is that we're having a very unprecedented severe impact on South Africa's economy on lives and livelihoods and you know such a low inflation it doesn't really help if you've lost your job or if your income has seen a massive drop this year Mm. Annabelle thanks so much for that sobering analysis that's Annabelle Bishop the Chief Economist at Investec in Johannesburg The views and opinions expressed in these podcasts are those of Lindsay Williams and various contributors and do not reflect the policy, position or opinion of any other agency, organization, employer or company associated with strictlybusinesspodcast.com. Assumptions made on the analyses are not reflective of the position of any other entity other than the speaker or the author. And since we are critically thinking human beings, these views are always subject to change, revision and rethinking at any time. Please do not hold us to them in perpetuity.